You're listening to Just Ask Malia with Malia Horde from the Malia Realty Group, recorded at Bourbon Barrel Podcasting Studios. Hey everybody, it's Malia Horde with the Malia Realty Group, and we are back at the Bourbon Table for our next collaborative conversation. And today's pretty special for me. We are here with Carson Coleman, the former UK pitcher and just got signed and drafted by the New York Yankees. So he used to play with my son, so it's a bittersweet. I'm an avid baseball mom my whole entire life. So to sit across from Carson and watch him unfold into the professional baseball player that most little boys always dream of becoming is pretty exciting for me as a mom. So Carson, welcome and thank you for being our host today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So Carson, every little boy, I've watched my son Brendan, who I know you're good friends with, and even Will, and my bonus son, Chris, right? They've all been baseball players since they were probably four or five, just like you. And I know they all thought about becoming a professional baseball player. Who doesn't, right? No, everyone thinks that. That's uh, a dream for some kid everywhere, when, especially when they first start playing baseball. I know I had mine. I don't know when I first thought about it, but as soon as you think about it, there's nothing more you want. There's nothing more you want. So, but it, everybody has a story, and you have just gotten drafted. So that's extremely exciting, and we're so super proud of you. But tell me, you have a story behind that. It doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up one day and you're a major league baseball player or a professional pro ball player. Tell me, how did your story start? Share it with us. It always starts somewhere, but I think there's always a point in any kid's baseball career in life where they kind of, there's definitely a stepping off point where you definitely got to maybe make that decision mentally and physically to where that's maybe something you really want. And, you know, I played baseball ever since I was four years old at Southeastern. I never played like Babe Ruth or anything like that. I pretty much was moving straight on to whenever it starts to get serious, kind of stepping off point when I started playing baseball at Lexington Catholic in high school. But And I, any kid out there should definitely, if you want to play multiple sports, play multiple sports. For me, I was almost so head-bent on wanting baseball to be my thing that I did baseball and baseball only, but that was that was my choice. That's what I wanted to do, and that was because that's what I wanted my career to be. That's what I wanted to make the dream come true, and it was probably – you know, your first, second year in high school where maybe you kind of realize that's where you got to make things happen. And for me, I wanted to make it happen, so I made those decisions, and that's pretty much where I went from there, and that's that's where it started. And might have not been how I expected, but that's where, that's where it got going. So like a lot of little boys and girls, you start playing baseball when you're four or five years old, Southeastern. My boys are at South Lexington. I think they're the most competitive uh, leagues against one another. Arch arch rivals, but you guys are like the best of friends throughout the seasons, which is crazy fun to watch. And when you're going through it, I mean, I know with our boys, and I'm sure with you, you you played ball ball, then you played spring ball, then you played summer ball, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't give you a lot of room to test the waters anymore when i grew up we actually got to test the waters you would play football or soccer in the spring or the fall you would play basketball or ice hockey where i came from 
um, in or skiing where I came from in the winter, and then in the spring, you were doing lacrosse, cross country, you were doing baseball, and so you got to actually see the different sports. So you just knew, right? Mm-hmm. Good for you. So you play that, you get into high school, you start playing baseball at, U- at Lexington Catholic. Tell us about that experience in high school because you get out of being like the best of the best. You were one of the, the, the best ones in Southeastern, so kudos to you. And then you get to high school and all of a sudden everybody's pretty good, mm-hmm. right? A little bit more competitive. Tell us about that because I think people don't understand the stages. No, it definitely develops each stage to where you're obviously maybe more focused on having fun. It's maybe a little bit more laid back, but then obviously when it gets into high school and especially college, um, it starts to become more competitive, more serious. Like that's, that's the get go. You're like, you're really, really playing baseball now, but not that it shouldn't always be fun. But when you go, you start to realize that like, so at Southeastern, you know, you're always an all-star, you're good, athletic, and that natural ability will take you there. But then when you get into high school, now you're actually doing your three, four-hour practices, and you maybe start first starting to lift in high school, which was a big adjustment for me, being the scrawny kid that I was, probably a buck 20, I don't know. <laughs> um, but everyone kind of has that adjustment period to get there. And you also start to realize how important all that stuff is. And so the shorter days that were a lot fun and enjoyable uh, turned into long days to where you really, you know, you start to question yourself even in high school um, with the amount of time that you have to start to put in the discipline, the responsibility. But you also start to, once you start playing, you start to realize that everyone around you is, you know, potential next level talent and that's where even amongst your friends you got to have a competitive side to it they might be your best friend in school and you literally got seven classes with them and you're laughing and having fun but as soon as you step on the ball field in between those white lines it's it's, game on it's game on and you got to win that position and for me back when I was first in high school um, I was always a middle infielder and you know shortstops always wait 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 no for those of you that don't know, did I not say that you were the UK pitcher? And you're telling me you were a middle field infielder? Yes, I was. Interesting. Let's keep going with that. Um, so middle infield, um, I'd probably say the most prized po- like position in baseball shortstop. That's always the popular spot. Whether that was the reason behind it, you know, if someone wanted to play there, I don't know. That was just where I always played and I loved playing shortstop. I loved being a part of the plays, diving for it, having to make that good throw, all that. I loved that. But that was also, because of it, the most competitive spot. Right. And definitely due to that, I mean, not to knock anyone else, uh, there was guys like Daniel Little in front of me who went on to play at Louisville, and he was unbelievable baseball player. I had great baseball players in front of me, but – Definitely got to play some middle and field my freshman year when it came to like um, junior varsity and stuff like that. But as time went on down high school, I was kind of always, you know, hanging to watch games from the bench more so than playing them. Oh, you were the bench warmer. Good. (laughs) Right in the pine. I love it. And and I think a lot of people are bench, you know, I don't mean it like that. You know that, no, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no kid out there should ever look at it like right. that. I think everybody has to have their time, but there's also that edge that 
you're only going to put the plays out there that are going to play, right? Mm. And you were in the popular position, right? So that's hard. When did you decide that I want to play baseball? Like I want to go on and play baseball in college. What was that ticking point? Because a lot of kids think they want to do it, and then they get to junior, senior year, and they're like, nah, I just want to go to college and have fun and party. (laughs) Uh, Well, not that I wanted to maybe be on more on the party side, but I definitely still always had that in the back of my head because – the reality of it, especially like going to UK, that was an adjustment for me. But when you get to be a student athlete or especially baseball, and I don't knock that against any sport, but like, I mean, you're a baseball mom, you know, it's yeah, avid. really the, probably the best break you get is the three weeks around Christmas that you get. It's fall ball, you know, Christmas and spring, and then you get shipped off to play summer ball somewhere and you literally come back and you might have a week in August. And the next thing you know, it's fall ball again and you do it year after year and I've practically been doing that since I was little. So honestly, it's just, it's like second nature. I think uh, whenever I was probably my junior year of high school, when I kind of realized after my sophomore year, which was my first year with varsity and wasn't really playing, I was just really determined to, you know, make a different future for myself, even though I maybe wasn't playing as much. And not to make it cliche, but it was definitely kind of like that fuel to where, you know, you want to it motivated you to want to be better, even though, you know, I want to say I was ever bad, but I, who knows? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I was bad. But um, only thing I knew that I could do, so I can't control what the coach can, if he's going to play me. But the one thing I can control is everything outside of that, which is, you know, how hard you work, how determined you are and all that. So, and I think that's definitely when, I'd say the beginning of my work ethic kind of started to build. And obviously that was something that would carry on for through college and through pro ball. But once I kind of got that down, I think it started to give me confidence as well, because every time I showed up to a field, it was, you, you owned know, it. Yeah. It was like, I, I know for a fact I worked harder than you, you and you, and there's no way that no way or no reason that you should be better than me. So that was my mindset and that kind of helped. And, Honestly, I never, I want, I would love to have played college ball. Well, did, but like when I was in high school, that's what I would think. And not that I ever would knock myself, but like the reality of it is the opportunity doesn't come for a lot. Um, there's some kids out there that they get seeked out and there's other kids out there that they have to do the seeking of a college and, you know, hope for the opportunity. And it's amazing because as a baseball mom, right, and you and Brendan have played together, Nobody gives you a roadmap. I think more and more now there's a roadmap, but I think years ago there wasn't a roadmap of, hey, you have to do this, 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 if you want the college recruiter to be here. And I think it's gotten more structured of how that happens. I think travel ball in the summer has become extremely integral about who's going to get in front of the scouts and the recruiters for the colleges. Um, But I think there's also this misperception by players that, Hey, because I've watched it through the years is, Hey, I'm great. I'm good. I play every game. Everybody knows me. They're going to want me. And I think what we learned was in high school, especially that junior, senior year travel ball, everybody's good on your team or you want to be on that team. So how are you different, mm-hmm. right? And um, I think it's that pivotal moment for you and for your brothers and your peers in the industry that when you finally have that realization of how am I going to be different than 
the player next to me and my brother teammate so that somebody wants me is when you guys actually take your skill and be, your talent and become skilled. No, absolutely. And shoot, my, my best friend growing up, and you've met him, Casey. Oh, met, yeah, he's great. Um, he played ball at Henry Clay, and kind of at that same point, we both kind of realized we were both kind of the same mentality. Casey was good. He played, but, like, he also had, like, the same desire to play college ball. That was his dream, and he went on to do that at Bellarmine. But, like, it was practically every night after our own team practices, Casey and I would get together because we both – you know, we had the same passion, the same drive, and we, you know, we pretty much combined together to try and make each other better. And that was a good situation to come close to with my best friend, who's Casey's pretty much like a brother to me, and be able to do that. And then when we both see, you know, our paths get to where we both want it, it's, it's pretty fun. So as a mom, when I say to my boys, and as well as my employees and my peers, who's your party of five? Are you hanging around the people that want the same things, that desire the same ambition, hold the same values, the same integrity? Are you hanging around those people? Or are you just hanging around the people that are existing and, you know, wherever they end up, they end up? No, it- the people you surround yourself, you don't realize it or you like think that it would actually be a thing, but then kind of either quickly or uh, long down the road, you well, you'll look back and you'll be like, "That definitely influenced me." Maybe not that it might have been a negative way, but it, it kind of held you back in a neutral way from maybe proceeding the way that you would have liked to to achieve whatever you're looking for. Because there's not that case. Like Casey was what I needed, but there's other times out there. Not that you shouldn't be like obviously if you're hanging with friends or anything like that. But if it was stuff that took you away, like especially when you're being a student athlete and you talk about maybe wanting to have that normal life where you get to go out to say a party or something like that, or hang out with your friends, student athlete or athlete, you got to sacrifice that nine times out of 10, probably more than that, but nine times out of 10, that's what you got to sacrifice. And if you don't, it always comes back to bite you. So you become a senior, you're a mid infielder. All of a sudden you become this pitcher, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Senior year. Tell us about that. Cause that was pivotal into what happens next no so it it was um so my whole life uh i mean obviously when you're little league everyone pitches and i pitched and i just loved middle infielder i loved hitting um i just never wanted to be the guy that would pitch and all of a sudden become a po but obviously that's because so po for you out there is pitcher only pitcher only (laughs) all you do is pitch you don't Mm -hmm. get to hit and you never want that to be something that happens when you're a freshman in high school. You want to be able to, if anything, maybe do both. But sometimes, especially like Lexington Catholic, they're always great at baseball. So when that kind of happens, that's kind of, it can go either way with that. And sometimes you you always have the choice, but in reality, you, when it comes to playing time, stuff like that, you might just have one option. And for me... Um, in my I, world, we call that putting all your eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. just so you know. <laughs> So I was a middle infielder, but um, any like showcase, whether it was like PBR stuff like that, I would always throw the baseball across the infield really hard, and it had a lot of movement. And well, for anyone to know anything with pitching, if you have a lot of movement, that helps. You know, it's harder to hit the baseball. But my pitching coach at um, Lexington Catholic, who was Greg Snip, and he actually played at UK. He finally told me to kind of really give pitching like a good shot and 
I started doing that and really it was um I guess my junior summer um kind of really started picking up on it and I was thrown really hard I was maybe maybe one or a few times I was up to like 90 which would that's good that's always like the big like deal it. if you hit yeah. 90 and all that but I guess like the movement of my fastball was just a bigger deal than I ever would have thought it was because then I started getting attention from you know Kentucky Cincinnati Indiana and then Louisville down the road as well so I literally went from a kid who thought that maybe college ball would never be a, an opportunity or a thing. And then all of a sudden it knocks on your door real fast. And then you kind of see that maybe that's a reality and that's a path that you actually get to take. And for me it was. And So what was the scariest part about that? I mean, was it, was it more glory or scary? I would think that when you think, I don't know if I'm going to ever be able to play college ball to all of a sudden you totally change what your focus is and you do something different and you tap into a talent you didn't even know was a skilled talent mm-hmm. and you get these opportunities. I mean, that's what's so great about our world or America is that yeah. you, you can in a moment's notice do something different, right? Mm-hmm. If you put your mind and your heart to it. How exciting was that for you when people started knocking on your door? Um, it was definitely. It makes my, my <laughs> hair on my arms like get up because I just know how it feels. I've, I've, I've watched it. I've lived it. Um, I mean, it was exciting, uh, definitely to start. It's almost kind of unbelievable. Um, but then also kind of at the same moment, you kind of start to sit there. Cause like for me, it was, I think it could be different for other people. There's some people it's expected for me. It wasn't unexpected. It was unexpected. Um, but at the same time, building up to that was the point of where I was, you know, I was doing late nights working out, um, with like Casey, for example, and I was determined to become, you know, <laughs> the best of, at my position or wherever it was to where I would shoot. I was one, I was hoping to play, just play and start on my high school team. And yeah. I went to committing to a D1 school, which was, would have been Cincinnati at the time before I even actually really played at Lexington Catholic. Wow, so amazing. That was a big thing for me, but at the same time when it happened, I knew deep down that I deserved it, and if anything, it actually gave me maybe more confidence. Um, and down the road, I never would have thought anything different of when you start, like when you're going to college. If anything, you kind of get those nerves where it's like, "Wow, I'm going off to college." And um, at the time, I was going to Cincinnati, which um, and no bad knocks of Cincinnati either, anything like that, but just some coaching situations happened at Cincinnati and then at Kentucky when uh, coach uh, Nick Mingione first was coming in there and I kind of reopened my opportunities and uh, re-evaluate, reevaluated my situation and it was not an easy decision at all. Oh no, but gosh, you came yeah. the first year Nick Mingione was coach with us. So that's pretty exciting, right? No, it was exciting. Also and scary. Very scary. Um, it was a hard decision and, you know, you pray about it and you think about it with your family. And, um, I like that you said that. Thank you for saying that. I'm going to point that out because I am a mom, a mom of faith. And I tell the boys pray about every major decision. So for you to say that, I want everybody out there, especially hopefully younger kids, high school, college parents, here you are a kid of 21, 22 years old, right? And you're saying, I pray about it. So you should, every major decision in your life, always take time to pray about that. 
So good for you. There's just, there's always uncertainty out there, but you can always rely on your faith, especially in situations like that. Like, so for the time for me, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. And, you know, you're, you're upset about it because you like, for me, it's, and you know, when college starts, college starts like August, maybe 20th, usually right. around, right around there. I made the, I made this decision to switch schools like August 11th. So that's a major deal, right? You're, you're committed to one school, mm-hmm. you end up decommitting and going to UK. You could do that because of the coaching change, correct? Yeah. Right. So then you come and co- Coach Minge comes. And, you know, I I have watched Coach Minge with you guys. And what I love most is that there's three t- – he has three three segments, student, person, player, mm-hmm. right? And I remember hearing the conversation of the the character of the student – the character of the person are the most important things. And then it's the character and the skill of the player that mm-hmm. comes next, right? Because yeah. you can always take that talent and and turn and pull out the skills of it. But the character of the student and the person, those are innate. Those are hard to change, especially when a young boy or student comes into college at the age, right by age of 18, right? Most of your your reasoning's already been embedded to you by the time you're 14. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Tell me, what did you learn, right, as a student person player? Like, what were some of the key things to make you successful the next four years? Um, I think for everyone, it's unique and different. Uh, for me, um, it was more kind of like for me, like if I took it a step at a time, it was student-wise, it was a whole new world when you go to college first off. And for me, it was the discipline and responsibility having, you know, you're on your own. You got to take care of yourself going to classes. Like my first fall semester, I had 8 a.m. classes. And most people are excited about college because you get the sleep at night. Yeah, sleep at night. Get your 11 a.m. class or shoot. If you don't play baseball, you could have a class as late as three or five. I would say that's a consequence of changing your school at the last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that also didn't help. But, um, so for me in the student part, was, and I'm a good student. Um, I graduated from UK with, I think, a 3.5. Awesome. And, Great job. And I was SEC honor roll every year, which was one of my goals. I got four of those plaques. all look the same. I don't know what to do with them. But um, for me, the student part was definitely the responsibility and time management because you never time manage like that in your life as a student athlete. Like, so tell about it because everybody thinks being a student mm-hmm. athlete is very glamorous. We see it on the TV. Um, and there are parts that are glamorous, like with any great job or any great yeah. position, but there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind it. So what is like an average day in the life of a a college baseball player or college sports player? Because it's way different than travel ball, right? What's an a- What was an average day for you in season? In season, well, it could depend on the day, but in the reality of it, um, depending on what you had going on, some guys would have, you'd have to be at the field, whether you're doing treatment, pre-work or anything like that. And then you're getting into your classes. And for me, like a normal day would have been go by the stadium, make sure that you're like, you know, you're being healthy. You're at what time did that start? Uh, as early as probably usually like seven, maybe eight at the latest on game days. And in, in the fall it would be more like a six AM kind of deal, which is definitely you know, no one wants to get up at five thirty to be at the field at six. But 
Um, they're then going to classes and the, this is where it always kind of gets to the part where you're like, wow, I wish I was a normal student. So you have your classes and usually your classes would be anyway from like, for me, it was always eight or nine. And when I'm moving on, it's right around that, right around noon time is where, when it ends. But at the same time, you got to be at the field, for example, say one o'clock. So now you're just now getting out of class, which I think for us was usually 1215 when you got out of a class or 1230 actually. So you're getting out at 1230 and you're hungry. You haven't eaten. You haven't had a chance to eat. So now, and you also have to be, so we might have to be out at the field at one, but you can't go out there at one. You got to get out there at say 1245. That's right. So (laughs) the time schedule is never what you actually think it is. And you always got to be early. That's the life of a student athlete. But so now the complications where it kind of comes into a life of a student athlete is um, one, I now have 15, maybe 20 minutes to get over to the field, be dressed, be prepared. And if anything, and that's why you have to do your training stuff with say Josh, who was a trainer at Kentucky baseball. And that's why you might have to do it in the morning because you're not going to have the opportunity before then, but you got to be ready. You got to be ready to be at your, yeah, at your best and perform your best. So now you have the complication of one, you're stressed, you're rushing, and you haven't also eaten. And also eating is important. And yeah, there's a lot of guys out there that probably plan ahead and maybe bring something to class. But sometimes it's when you, this is not just one day, this is really every day. Because whether it's a game or practice, that's every single day. You're doing that six days a week. And the amount of times that I was probably seen running, sprinting with my backpack on, and trying to get to the field on time <laughs> was yeah. probably every single day because you're just waiting to get out of class so that you can get over there. Cause the last thing you want to do is be late. And if you're late, obviously that's not a good thing and that's not what you want. But then you, you got your um, say game or practice and practice. I'd say for us usually would end as late as six thirty seven some nights and most games would end until maybe 11 sometimes even midnight but then the reality of that is you're not at school to just play baseball you're there to also earn your degree and go to school and you're doing that back-to-back nights whether you had homework and the reality of it is say maybe this homework assignment would have took you five hours to do now you got to do it in two three hours maybe if anything if you're lucky and that's if you're in the mood for it because at the reality of that you just spent a 18 hour day constantly on the move, constantly doing what you need to do. And also you're doing physical work where you're exhausted. And the next thing you just want to think about is resting. And at the same time, you need your rest. If you want to be able to perform, especially in baseball where you're playing in college, you're playing just about 60 games a year. And then in pro ball with me now, I got to play 162, but that's just baseball. There's a lot of games. So it's definitely unique. And that's every student athlete. Every student athlete's got to go to that. Every student athlete knows the anxiety of having to be cross campus, short notice, just like I that. Have, I have been just in awe of watching college sports and being behind the scenes of watching the college sports to see the the amount of work, the amount of discipline, um, the amount of responsibility to yourself for your time and your management. I know every, I always felt like when you went to college, the biggest thing you learned is how to time management and learn how to do things for yourself. But when I watched the student athletes and see the, the training, the, um, the food preparation, the nutrition that you guys have to learn, mm-hmm. um, the cats studying, the team building, um, 
the values, it, I, I've been impressed, quite honestly. It, it's hard work mentally, emotionally, because physically you guys are already doing it. But mm-hmm. what I've loved watching is seeing the emotional and the mental um, expansion of you guys and the brotherhood. So I think something about the college sports and stuff is the brotherhood. It's very special. I mean, mm-hmm. I see the fraternities and the sororities and all that. Baseball and is its own fraternity. It really Every sport's is, got isn't its it? Own, but yeah, mm-hmm. crazy good. So now you are in at UK, right? You had the opportunity to walk on to UK, be the pitcher. Exciting! You become the local hero. That's what we like to say when one of our own actually get to go to Kentucky. We are so proud. It is truly. Um, a type of religion for us that when one of our own get to go there, it's really special. Mm-hmm. And we've watched you, and you've done an amazing job. And here you are. You got redshirted your freshman year. Tell us about that. Because here you, you have the heartbreaking decision to change colleges, You mm-hmm. right? You, you get the chance to play college ball. And then freshman year, boom. Um, yeah, so my freshman year I took a, I think it was September 14th. Yeah, so, we don't forget those dates. Yeah, I don't forget. Right? It. it was it's Wednesday. It's the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was probably three weeks into, you know, college, <laughs> uh, let alone baseball. But um, maybe two weeks into doing scrimmages and everything. And, you know, we're just you're finally kind of getting in the groove. You're kind of getting your feet underneath you. And then um, I took a, ended up taking a line drive to the face. And um, Was your mom in the stands? I no, just, no. It, it, technically, it was our within our practice uh, ordeal. Um, like, clo- like no people would have been there. It was just our teammates. But I just know everyone was frozen like statues whenever it happened. And I got, I actually, I got hit um, square in the face. I ended up having a little fracture in my 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 skull and my Ugh. orbital, and then shattered my nose really good. But I I remember walking off. I walked off the mound with the help of. Um, um, our trainer and I think Coach Mangione. I say think because I had compression on my face where I just could only see the feet of my cleats walking. But um, I ended up going to the ER that night and being there for almost the whole night to where uh, my head was about as swollen as a melon. And uh, still at the same time, um, you know, you're sitting there and you're just like, dang, I was finally just getting the hang of this. And shoot, also deep down, you're almost thinking that the universe sent you a sign saying that maybe you made the wrong choice by switching schools, which I never took that deep to heart, but still at the same time, oh, you, you second-guess everything. Anytime yeah. something bad, and I always say the worst things are the accidents that mm-hmm. you didn't plan, you didn't know was coming, you didn't put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was just an accident and yeah. then you second guess everything you did up into that point and thinking if I only had done this, if I only had done that. Mm-hmm. So tell me what lessons did you learn from that? Because I think from every great tragedy comes a beautiful story. No, I'm happy you said that. Cause I, that, that was just a part of my journey and that was an early step for me. And I was, everyone's journey is different. Mine was definitely uh, something else. But um, the biggest thing that I, took away from it is I was one to tell you about myself and I know there's plenty of kids out there anyone even to my age today that have a lot of stress and anxiety and all that um and I was definitely always a stressful kid and it wasn't that I would you know I was just really 
trying to be stressed out obviously but like i just wanted to be good at everything i did whether it was baseball or do good on a test do good in school i just wanted to be good but obviously it's stressful and there's a lot that goes into it and i don't think i would ever say i was negative thinking but i never gave myself positive reinforcement and whenever i went through that injury only thing that was going to really help me out of that was positive thinking and i think i honestly probably would have struggled to have found that if, so if I didn't, if that didn't happen and because that did happen, I was, I mean, I was out for months. Uh, <laughs> I had a, I had mono literally the, actually the day I got cleared where I was going to get the pitch for the first time oh, since well. the injury, I felt really weird. It was on a Friday, felt really weird. I was going to get the throw live against hitters on Saturday, went to the doctors that Saturday morning and showed up to the field. And it, for anyone out there that doesn't know with mono, if you have mono, you can't practice because you have a risk of injury to your spleen because i guess it's the hardship on it yeah um, so during that i always called it my blessing in disguise because due to the red shirt year it just gave me an opportunity to one find myself i learned a lot about myself and i also kind of find my own path and my own mindset and what worked for me and you know in the baseball world i also just got to get stronger and um my freshman year was our super super regional team uh the only team to win a that was amazing win a regional so i was also with you know some of the best guys to be around and guys i'll never forget and lessons i learned that year uh, but because due to the red shirt i just kind of got to sit there and and learn watch and listen and you know soak it all in and i feel like with every great leader with every great success story there's failures or their setbacks. And I always like to say that if you're not failing, you're not moving forward, mm -hmm. right? And when I say failing, it could be a setback, right? Sometimes it's God's way of saying you need to sit and listen and just refocus. And I think that was a pivotal year for you because you came back really strong. Mm -hmm, definitely. And even coming back from that, um, you know, still which isn't easy, everybody, <laughs> to like be out a year and then come back. Mm -hmm. And being a red shirt, it's it's not easy. So um, you, kudos. Yeah, you feel like you got your your back to the wall, and in reality, you do because a lot mm -hmm. of kids that come in and have that red shirt, and reality of it is you're on the chopping block. And so going into my sophomore year, I knew that, and pretty much the coaching staff tells you that, like you know, there's a 35 man roster, and you got to make that 35 man roster. And whenever I got in there, I knew that. And, I remember even telling my parents because big thing with me is I never want to disappoint my parents. Like I know how much my dad loves baseball. Last thing I want to do is say, "Hey, I'm not playing baseball anymore." So I told them early on, and I told myself that I was going to do literally everything possible. You know, when it comes to working my tail off to try and make, you know, make the 35 man roster. And I told myself, whatever happens at the end of the year, it happens. And because then the last thing I want to do, if that was going to be, you know, my path to not be, not make the team and not be playing, be playing baseball my sophomore year, I wanted to know that I had done everything possible to, mm -hmm. you know, what happened happened. I did everything I can, and I would be, I would be at peace at that. I always say the biggest regrets in life are the risks you never took, mm -hmm. right? Not in. You know, my family, we've, we've lost a lot of people at a young age, right? So we've had disappointment and hardships. So I always say, be your best version of yourself every single day. And I think I see that with student athletes. 
that make me admire them because every day they have to be their best. You don't get a day off from being your best because the day that you take off is the day that the guy that was sitting on the bench is now in your position and you're sitting the bench and you're out. Mm-hmm. Right? No, that's exactly right. Um, big thing I always tell myself and anyone should out there thinking everything you do, do it with a purpose. Do it with a purpose. Great advice. Don't half do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, anything like that, I was just, there's, if you're going to do it, do it. And you know, if you're going to do it a hundred percent, Always, anything we're yeah, doing anything. Doing. And I know that sounds simple, but the last thing for me that I never wanted to look back and be like, wow, I really lost an opportunity there. Or that could have gone differently if I literally had done something so simple and so little, even if it just would have been a little bit of effort or done some, it's, just, it's the small things. You know, you got to pay right. attention to the little details. And when you do things with a purpose, you're, you're going to do it. And if not, then that just might not be something you care about. And, that, and there's people out there that, that that happens. And But you never know. You just don't want it to leave it the chance. You want to have control of it. What are some of the life skills that you learned or life lessons you learned through baseball that had nothing to do with picking up the ball? Um, being selfless was always a big thing with me. Um, kind of the biggest... Uh, well, I don't know if you'd count that as a skill or not, but um, whenever it came to like values like that, my biggest thing was always kind of, you know, the time management and discipline. But one of my true things I always took to heart was the selflessness of it because in reality of it, um, you know, yeah, you, you put yourself first sometimes, but I always say that I was kind of the other way around. I was always kind of putting myself past like my teammates or my team because I always just... I, I cared, I, but I cared about everyone. Like such, like, like Brendan, love Brendan to death. I'm, oh, thank I'll you. do anything for him. And, you know, that I, especially when you have, so I was a junior, which was the first year I got drafted when Brendan was a freshman. But like, so like, and obviously it's not just Brendan, it's anyone. Like I feel responsible for trying to carry on the stuff that I've learned and give it to them as soon as possible so that they know better. One of my biggest things that I would always say if I was to tell a younger version of myself is I wish I had learned and like asked like this stuff earlier. Cause if I had known that sooner, I would have been such a better player. So my biggest thing was to literally just. So how do you, I mean, that's a great point. And, and I want you to say more about that Carson, because you are looking back now, right? You're about to, you're drafted, you're waiting to go play with the major League baseball, Yankees, yay. I'm a New York Yankee fan because <laughs> I'm a Jersey girl. If you guys didn't remember. I haven't reminded you lately. Um, how do you tell the younger self? How do you tell the high schooler? How do you tell the freshman in college? How do you tell the eighth grader that says, I'm going to go and is getting recruited by colleges at in eighth grade? These things of being the best version of yourself because – when we say it as a parent, right? It's like, oh, mom, right? How, right? No, hindsight's 100%. twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty for a reason, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're you're closer to that age group than parents are. So, yeah. Um, tell these kids they're listening to you. They're watching everything you do, right? Uh, a big thing with me is I kind of always put it is obviously it's up to you to, you know make the decisions and make those steps for yourself. The only thing I could like, I can never, you know, force someone to do that, whether it was right or wrong, but I, you can share all that guidance as much as possible. But the biggest thing for anyone was to listen and learn. And whenever you make those, like 
you said it yourself, everyone, you're not moving forward if you're not having failures along the way. But the biggest thing with those failures, for example, this would be one thing that like you could tell a younger or like if I was a freshman, I would love to have heard it. Like, you know, you can't sit there with the failures. You got to make the adjustment, evaluate yourself, the situation. You got to keep moving forward. That was something that maybe, you know, you don't think about, but you don't have time to do anything like that, especially, you know, in baseball or anything like that. But it's just the little things when it came to little things really make up for the bigger things, whether it was, you know, how well you time managed or the little things you might've done differently in baseball, knowing that, you know, everything's faster paced. They say when you go to college and they're right, it's not even just school, it's baseball. Like everything's moving a thousand miles a minute and you just gotta be, you just gotta be focused. There's a lot of things that go into it. I remember, um, Brennan talks a lot about you, right? You guys are great friends, and I'm so appreciative of that, right? I love watching you two. Um, I remember Brennan leaving his graduation party to go hit and practice, you know, pop-ups, mm-hmm. right? Because he was about to get the opportunity to walk on. He couldn't talk about it, and he went and left. He left all his friends. He left his family, right? And I know you've done similar things. I know you guys go out late at night. You would call him up and say, would you catch for me and stuff? All the time. <laughs> because it was important to be the best version of you. And I think the thing that was a big aha was owning it, owning your destiny, right? Mm-hmm. Because I watched in high school so many kids say, well, I deserve that. I was better than him, and I deserve that, and why him? And Meaning, why did this kid get that college and that kid get that college, and how come this kid didn't because he was – And it really came down to being the student and the person over the player when these recruiters are watching you, right? Because you are, they want the best players, but they also want the best person and the best student on the team to make it a well rounded thing. And I think um, one of the things I would say that I've witnessed in you and your teammates is that you guys always own your actions and you always take responsibility for your success or your failure or your bad day, right? Instead of blaming it in high school, it's easy. Well, it's not my fault. I didn't get to play or it's not my fault. He didn't pick me or the coach doesn't like me. In this case, it's the coach likes you. Y'all are there. 35 man roster. You're, you're there for a reason. And the other guys aren't. And if you're not playing, it's because you're not doing your best game. Mm -hmm. No, every going back to like the student person player. I mean, you being a good student and person, all that goes hand in hand. But so now you get junior year, you almost, you got drafted you, what happened? My junior year getting mm-hmm. drafted. Uh, I got drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays in 2019 and that's a big decision and mm-hmm. you turned it down. Uh, yes, I did. And there was a lot of factors that go into the drafts from my standpoint. Cause technically I was a redshirt sophomore. I had two years to go still. And I, technically gives you leverage in a draft standpoint so for me it was a it was almost kind of more of a had to be a perfect situation for me and had to you know feel right to for me to really move on with that even though draft process was so exciting but I chose to come back to school and I ended up getting my degree which I was totally happy with and you know a lot a lot of kids struggle to come back and get their degree if they sign early as a junior and I'm happy that I get to say I graduated from Kentucky. Yeah. And now senior year comes. Mm-hmm. Obviously COVID hits. 
yeah. totally shortened the baseball season. It was heartbreaking. But you got drafted. I mean, kudos. New York Yankees, mm-hmm. tell us. Um, that was definitely That's a That's a big decision to go in the draft. It definitely was. Um, you know, we, shoot, I think we only played like 16 games. You just don't know what, you don't, you don't know what's going to come. And there's, you know, there's changes to the draft and you feel like it's not the same. Um, but deep down, my biggest thing, especially after turning down the draft last year was, like this, like this was my year regardless. And, um, either way, like I knew I'd get that opportunity. It was just whether or not I wanted to go with it. And I was ready mentally, physically. And it was just, for me, it was what I felt like was time to start my professional career. And I didn't want to put that on hold any longer. I, you know, I came back to school. I got my degree. Absolutely happy about that. But more importantly, I just, I wanted to start this next step in my journey that I had an opportunity to do. I didn't want to pass up on it twice. Well, it's your plan. It's your life. It's your story. Mm-hmm. And you get to write it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so proud of you for making the decision to write your own story instead of, I'm sure you had many different opinions of what to do and what not to do. Yeah. And I know everybody's your biggest fan excited. <laughs> so now that we have this COVID pandemic and you were supposed to leave a couple of days ago to go, to I'd like to say boot camp, but <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, training, fall training. Yeah, I would have loved to have been. I, I would be so excited. If, I mean, there still might be a chance of it. We just don't know. There's you know, there's a lot of questions up in the air, and I don't know when I would hear about that. But um, you know, hopefully, I'll be back on the baseball field soon. It's been too long. Well, what people don't know, or maybe they do know, and I want them to know, is that you do private lessons. I do. You're a great coach. <laughs> I, actually, You're a great mentor. And you tell us about it because I know there's little boys and girls out there that need to be calling you to sign up and, you know, you being their hero. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been doing lessons in person and actually I've been doing it virtually where I've actually been working with kids from New Jersey, Dayton and Ohio and another kid from Illinois where I've been literally working with kids from all corners and another kid from Florida and Honestly, I I wasn't sure how I love talking about baseball. I love sharing knowledge, but I've what's even been kind of cool about it is especially some of these and these are kids that are in maybe freshmen in high school. I think the oldest one I have is a senior in high school and it's just I love like the relationship. Like I'm like so if I was a kid and I was talking to a guy that played with the New York Yankees, I would be nervous and think that he has something yeah. above me. But oh in the reality God. of it, the one of my favorite things to say to a kid while we're working is like, there's no difference between you and me person wise or player wise. There's just like, don't look at me like I'm some, someone special. I'm not, I was in the same situation you are and reality person wise, there's nothing different between you and me and you should never think anything less of yourself. But, and that's one of my favorite things because when it comes to working anything, it's like I've been there and that's why I'm I'm here. I want to help guide you. I love it. And I think you can even expand on that if you don't care for me to say. I think you can say, listen, I worked really hard to get here mm-hmm. and there was opportunities and you have the same opportunity to follow my path and take the opportunity that I was offered if you are willing to commit to hard work, mm-hmm. perseverance, and tenacity because I believe in you. And I think kids need to hear I believe in you and I'm here to support you and get you there, but it's up to you if you are going to get there. And remind them of that. No, absolutely. And that, I take a lot of pride into not just looking at baseball lessons as, um, you know, strictly baseball. I 
share the life values that I've learned. And like I said, especially with these kids being younger, the quicker, if I knew it when I was younger, it, you know, it definitely helps guide you in our earlier on that path and, you know, kind of straighten out your path. And that's kind of, that's all I want for anyone to know. You know, I could keep going on and on because I'm sitting across this bourbon table and I'm looking into these beautiful eyes and this, you know, easy on the eyes face. It's really nice, right? He is the total image of the professional baseball player, right? Tall, dark, Jeez. handsome, you know, comes from a good family, works hard. Um, but he does have the opportunity to teach your, your child, you know, the love and the skills of the baseball. You also do some social media because we've um, used you and you guys, you and Casey are great. So there's opportunities there. I love that you're this little entrepreneur (laughs) that you've started this coaching business Mm -hmm. and we're going to be sure to pump that out to everybody we know. Um, And he's also available to help with social media. So I love that you're filling your time up to do that as well Mm -hmm. as we wait to see you on the ball field. Yeah, no, please. Anyone feel free to contact me about lessons or branding anything i love doing both of them okay so if somebody wants to call you about their their child you know we got christmas coming up we got great gift ideas coming up um i know you're going to give a free lesson right for us yeah i can do that no problem (laughs) i love Um, that um how do they get in touch with you what's the best way is it social media is it a website is it an email um i do email and instagram has been the best but um so what are those handles? What's your handle on Instagram? So my Instagram handle is Carson underscore Coleman 34. And my email is uh, Carson C Coleman at yahoo.com. So anyone can feel free to message me through those platforms. And I promise I'd be very quick to get back to you. And yeah. I'm open to working with anyone, all ages. There's no limits, anything. I make time either way. So you can do it virtually. Mm-hmm. You can do it in person. Right? Yep. There's calls, so Carson's open. And again, remember for social media as well, he can hook you up. Him and Casey are still a little tag team. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know what, Carson? We've enjoyed you. I expect to see you over for dinner soon. No, I would love that. Right? Always love giving you guys a good home cooked meal. And um, you make sure to stay in touch with my family and Brendan. Uh, always. There's anything we can do. You've you've been an inspiration. We love watching your story. You're our local hero. And, you know, we pray for the best success for you. And, you know, game on throughout the first pitch for us, okay? No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Well, thank you for being our collaborative conversation. And stay tuned for the next one. And um, all the good updates. Let's follow Carson on all the social media and hope to see you in the grandstands. Well, that wraps up another great podcast. Thank you so much for joining us at the Just Ask Malia's podcast series. It's always a pleasure to help the local and future residents of Kentucky make smart real estate decisions. And we love connecting you to our community. And that's why we do this. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast series. Make sure your friends and family know all about it. Tag, like us, find us on Facebook, social media. And remember, when you're ready to buy, sell, build, or invest, I'm your girl, Just Ask Malia.